welcome to the the most recent what's in the cup podcast after about a month off it feels like we've been uh, with spring break and uh, some travel for me Uh, it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk about georgia southwestern but we're certainly glad to be back and uh, glad this wasn't yesterday because then we would have had an april fool's joke or something uh, to have to do but uh, it feels like an april fool's joke this morning 35 36 degrees when i woke up this morning that's not supposed to be the case in south georgia in april but it was and uh, uh, we were gonna survive barely but i think the sun's out and it's gonna be a beautiful weekend for uh, Easter weekend, Good Friday today, and um, nice holiday weekend, and a seems like a great start to spring. The azalea bushes are blooming, lots of color around town, and certainly on campus. And so, welcome to uh, the What's in the Cup podcast. It's uh, always fun to invite and to have a faculty member with us. This, today, we've got Dr. Evan Kutzler, our assistant professor uh, in history here at the university. And uh, besides being an assistant professor, uh, author, new father, uh, lots of things uh, happening for Dr. Kutzler. And so we're glad to have you with us today. uh, We're gonna have a chance to talk about, uh, obviously some teaching and uh, how things are going through the pandemic and how uh, you've had to adjust. Uh, Maybe we get talk about your book a little bit uh, but we're really going to talk. Uh, the, the specific thing that Dr. Kutzler is here to, to visit with is uh, about uh, the Anthony Building, which uh, used to be uh, a part of the campus, and uh, we have now uh, demolished that building uh, to make room for uh, some expansion over by athletics, and uh, we're doing some work in Flory Chapels. Uh, so the really discussion about historical buildings and, and how, how those can be preserved and the difficulty of doing that and and trying to uh, modernize things while being true to some of the historical context of them. So uh, we're going to have a good conversation about that. Uh, Besides being Good Friday, this is opening uh, weekend, opening day yesterday for Major League Baseball. So I hope everybody had a chance to see a game or two. Uh, My opening day started terrible. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, if you don't know, and after two batters, the Cubs were behind two to nothing, and it didn't get any better, and they lost on the first day of the season. So I hope that that's uh, not an omen of things to come, but a, uh, a only a mild dip in uh, their their season. They're going to start slow and get off, and then go well the rest of the year. But anyway, it was opening day, always a fun day across the country means that spring is here and baseball has started and uh, there were fans in the stands yesterday so some um, some sense of normalcy it wasn't full stadiums but uh, they didn't play in texas so they didn't have a full stadium but they will have a full stadium in texas no matter what president biden thinks about it that seems to be the case of the texas people they don't seem to care one way or the other anyway Uh, We always get started with some discussion of student success and retention. And uh, uh, last night I started making phone calls to the uh, students who have been selected to be a part of the President Carter uh, Leadership Program. Each year we bring 20 students in 
to uh, be a, to be part of that program. I called all 20 and I actually talked with 13 of them and all 13 that I talked to were really excited to be invited. They, they all agreed to come to Georgia Southwestern and uh, they are looking forward to it and we're, we're just really, really excited. And that was fun to hear their excitement and enthusiasm for the university and for uh, the program that they are gonna be joining. Uh, the fact that I got 13 out of 20 in one night of calling, I thought was pretty good. Uh, you're calling a bunch of uh, 17 and 18 year olds and, uh, you know, they actually answered the phone. So that was, I thought I did pretty good. Uh, I'll get the other seven tonight, I hope. And uh, uh, we'll move into the weekend with a full slate of President Carter uh, leadership program students. Got a couple of preview days coming up April 17th and May the 8th will be the last two uh, preview days. So people that are helping us with those, uh, two more of those. And then right after the preview days end, we start with storm days. May 21st is the first storm day. We have three scheduled in June, three scheduled in July. And then we wrap up the storm days uh, in August on August the 3rd. And so there's lots of work going into bringing in next year's freshman class. Our numbers continue to look good for the summer. Our, our applications are on par with last year. The number of completed applications are, are doing well. And so we're certainly excited about the opportunity to bring in another good freshman class. So um, things are, are looking good there. And we hope that everybody will uh, Help us out with those storm days and preview days and, and get these students off to a great start. All right, Dr. Cutsler, let's let's start with the big stuff. Anthony Building. I know you have a you have a lot of information about the Anthony Building, what it was, what it is, what it could have been, uh, and uh, and some of the challenges that go with a, a building like that. So tell us about the Anthony Building. Sure. What was it? Uh, what was unique about it? So the Anthony School was built uh, in about 1931. Uh, it was a partnership between the county school board, the Sumter County School Board, and Georgia Southwestern. And it was a demonstration school. So aspiring teachers at Georgia Southwestern uh, College at the time uh, would go there to observe classes. Now we'd call it field experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they would have the opportunity to practice teaching. Uh, and so I can imagine students, you know, in the old dorms, whether it's Terrell uh, Hall or Morgan uh, or Sanford, uh, walking across uh, what is now the, the parking lot for the uh, Chick-fil-A and the baseball field <laughs> at the time would have been a nine uh, course, uh, nine hole golf course. Golf course. Oh, wow. Um, to observe and to practice teaching. And it was... Uh, it was kind of a coup for for the school, I can imagine, because some of those students would then enroll in uh, at Georgia Southwestern sure. later. Frank uh, Myers uh, became mayor of Americas, uh, went to Anthony School, uh, came over. It was a two year school at the time. Came to to Georgia Southwestern, uh, continued to drive the school bus for the Anthony School, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know would drop the kids off, park, and then walk to walk to classes. Yeah. Um, 
it, it, it stopped having that special relationship with the, the, the college in about 1949. And, and the years, the 50s are kind of hard to track down exactly what it was used for. Uh, partly by that time, the, you know, it, it's a county school, but it doesn't really feel like it should be a county school. It's very close to the city. And, right. you know, what is a county school in, in 1930s? It looks a lot more like a city school by, by the 1950s. Uh, it was apparently leased from time to time to the city schools. Uh, in the aftermath of the um, the burning under suspicious circumstances of America's high school, uh, after America's high school declared, after the, the school district declared its intentions to integrate in 1964, mm. there was a shortage of buildings. And so Anthony School was kind of put back in uh, as part of that rotation. So for a moment, it was an integrated school. Uh, civil rights uh, activists like Bobby Fuse uh, went to Anthony School in 1965 or 1966. Um, and then what happened was particularly interesting uh, for the, you know, n- not all history is, uh, is, is pleasant, right? Yeah. And so the, in 1966, the, uh, the county school board decided to get rid of Anthony School and they sold it to, uh, they advertised it in the paper. They ultimately sold it to a, uh, an upstart private academy called South Hunt Academy. Hmm. And they sold it at, for about $4,000. Uh, they threw in all the stuff that was already inside it. They said, if there's, if, if the city, if the city schools have anything left in there that they don't want to give to Southland, they need to get it out in a few weeks or a month. Uh, and then that became the, uh, the incubator for Southland Academy for, for several years until the, the, the current campus was built. Um, now, what makes this unique or historic? Right. That, so, when when historians and preservationists talk about historic buildings, um, I think that the best measure is what the federal government considers to be eligible for inclusion on the National Register of Historic Places. And there's um, that's a mouthful of a term, but right, there's there's basically four easy categories to remember. Uh, properties can be historically significant because they're associated with specific events or broad patterns in, in American history at the local, state, or national level. So it doesn't have to be a major event. If it's locally significant, it helps kind of tell the story of a locality in context with the national history. That's good enough. Um, or it could be as- associated with an important person, right? Jimmy Carter National Historic Site mm-hmm. or, or a, a birthplace or a death place um, might, might fall into that category. Uh, Significance for architecture or uh, archaeological potential. And Anthony School qualified uh, for both the, the first and the third categories for, as that, you know, the history of education in a part of the Deep South or the history of integration or uh, resistance to, to integration. And uh, and also as an example of, of architecture, both architectural style of school buildings, but also what I might call the, the architecture of segregation. Right? It's built exclusively as a white school. Um, and then I think most interestingly, right, it become it's, it's there's a, an adaptive reuse that takes place. It is adaptively reused by opponents of the civil rights movement um, and, and, and not in, in necessarily a, a, as a simple just knee-jerk reaction, but they're, they're, this is part of a broad movement that's taking place in the 1960s, uh, that it, it, it's, the opposition is a combination of opposition to Brown v. Board of Education in the 1950s, but also uh, Engel v. Vitale, 
1962, which outlaws school prayer. So, you know, most most of the white resistance to the civil rights movement didn't take place. You know, it, it didn't look like bombing Koinonia, right, or 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 burning America's high school to the ground. Uh, there, it was it was a whisper campaign. It was uh, identifying you know, or, or criticizing the movement as not being morally pure, right? As 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 being about other ends, being about national control over local interests. And so all of this gets kind of packaged into a movement um, that you know the detractors of the movement call uh, segregation academies. Uh, and 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 that while that is an accurate term, right? It's it's also uh, it's it's also part of this kind of broader reaction against a um, a more activist national government uh, that is uh, you know, transforming society in the 1950s and the 1960s. So these sorts of spaces are really hard to advocate preserving. Yeah. Right. It's 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 easy. I mean, it's hard to preserve any historic place, um, but it's easier to preserve places that there can be some sort of uh, heroic outcome associated with it or even even like andersonville right andersonville is a really grim place but you can kind of get some okay we can talk about the heroism right we can talk about the suffering we can talk about the you know the love of country and so forth right um it's much hard much harder to preserve places that are associated with resistance to the things that we think are so central to our ideals um, and in part right the the, the 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 visible symbols of segregation Right, the the la- their la- their lack in our modern landscape is a symptom of is a is a is a signal signal of the success of the civil rights movement. Right, the signs come down, uh, back entrances become uh, 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 handicap accessible. Right, uh, 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 walk up windows become right become drive-throughs and so forth. And so there's there's an invisibility of what I'm calling here the architecture of segregation. I mean, I'm not coining this term. This is a term historians yeah. use. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a the simple question is, you know, do we need to preserve places that represent opposition to the civil rights movement? What is gained or lost in the process of doing that? That's, that's really the, yeah. the challenge of, of trying to preserve a place like that. You know, and that, it's interesting, you know, when I just listening to you talk and you think about, okay, what if we, what if those things that we eliminated, or we tried to eliminate from our society, right? Uh, uh, exclusion from places, uh, white only uh, drinking fountains, so to speak. If we kept those in place as a, as a historical marker, how does that influence our thinking, right? I mean. We, we erase them to try to eliminate that kind of behavior. And then, but if we, if we erase them, we lose the historical context of what's happened. Uh, and certainly we're seeing that across the country even today with statues and other markers of things that need to come down or people want to come down, some people want to preserve. Uh, it's a constant battle of... Uh, if you leave it up, you open the door for people to continue to think this way. If you take it down, you erase what we've been through as a country. And so I'm, you know, it's just curious as to, you know, kind of who wins uh, and what's the value and, and, and which ones deserve to be kept and which ones uh, need to be erased from, uh, from our 
memory, I guess, or from at least from our everyday uh, behavior. And, and I guess that's what we're trying to figure out. Sure. And, and uh, you're, you, you spend a lot more time thinking about this than I do. Uh, but that's, uh, it's, it's, it's certainly interesting to watch our society struggle with uh, these kinds of things. Now you say it's hard to, to preserve a, 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 a historic building or a building that has some historical value. Uh, certainly for us uh, in this particular case with the Anthony building, uh, the ability to have the funds necessary to take the building and make it useful again uh, does didn't really exist. The state is not going to provide funding uh, for this building. The uh, the ability to raise private funds for this kind of activity is uh, is limited at best, and so uh, so it ends up coming down in, in order to make room for uh, something else. So. You know, can you talk a little bit about how that, how, how historians and other, you know, just people interested in these uh, types of projects, the, the challenges that you face? Well, let me know if my hair turns blue in the process <laughs> of this. No, I, I so I, I'm a, I'm a kind of a planner by, um, by nature and, and thinking about historic preservation. I don't like fighting, you know, fighting fires uh, as, as the metaphor is for saying like, you know, oh, we have to save this building. I mean, I've done that before, but the, the, the emotional energy that that takes uh, is, and, and the likelihood of actually changing outcomes, is, it, yeah. it's, it, can be, it can be wearing. You know, I, so I, I think you know, one thing I, I would say that historians would, would emphasize is, you know, having just major decisions be part of a conscious process of, of, of talking through like, oh, these are the, you know, these are the reasons one might wish to keep the building. These are the realities, right? We're not going to be easily be able to fundraise off preser you know, preserving an old segregation academy, right? Or uh, this, or or that, you know, the, the University System of Georgia would not let us buy this building, right? That's why the foundation mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is buying it. Uh, and uh, so the, uh, you know, I, I, I think most preservationists are understanding that we can't preserve everything out there. Uh, the ask, right, is that uh, when, 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 when buildings come down, they're, they're, they're done you know, with, with, with clear eyes. And, you know, I, I just want to emphasize that, you know, Southwest Georgia is full of historic properties that are endangered. And so is Americus. And, you know, where Anthony ranks on that list is not at the top, right? Mm -hmm. Anthony yeah. Chapel, um, the, the series of schools or the old hospital or many of the old buildings are in, uh, are, are that have, have important histories, uh, also should be part of a, of a conversation, you know, in the long run about, you know, what, what do we want to see here in 50 years? Yeah. Yeah. And, and one on the good side of things, we are putting money into the old Flory Chapel gym, which may not have the same, uh, historical context but it certainly is a building that has a long history uh here at the university and and we're going to be uh, restoring some of its uh, original nature uh, bringing the old stage uh back into focus uh and uh keeping some of the the gym elements of it so um i know that you were uh helpful in the beginning stages of that project helping us think through what does what does a renovated Flory Chapel 
look like that still maintains some of this historical nature and i you know you remember there was talk about cutting a hole in the floor and creating some really wild uh designs and and uh, uh new entrances and windows and and so a lot of those things have been preserved and uh, the building will look very similar uh, but a little different function but sure. i think it'll be fun to have some of that uh, some of that what it used to look like uh back back into the building and and as a category of, of buildings i think gyms are also particularly difficult to preserve um because they i mean it doesn't look like a modern building and and there's i, I tend to think there's there's kind of a, a the buildings go into a, a period of like a dark age <laughs> where you know they're 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 modern they look good people r- recognize they look good they go through a generation or two where it's oh that old Victorian building right can't we oh that that stupid terrace and the, the, the spire uh, and then they and then you know another generation comes by and goes oh you know that reminds me of 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 of, of, of children's stories Joseph <laughs> Gingerbread House I love that house right and, and I think that, you know the, the the buildings like like the the Flory Chapel Gymnasium also have kind of that long arc to them and so the uh, you know the ability to, to hang on to it. I, I know it's more expensive to sometimes to renovate a building than it is to tear it down and build yeah. a new one. Yeah. Um, but if you can kind of get past that, um, the, the the generation or two where people uh, are sick of seeing bungalows, all right, then there then the nostalgia comes back and you're, you're you're left with kind of a richer landscape. Yeah, you know, I think I love being on college campuses, uh, not just ours, but love to visit a lot of schools and there was a time when when you built buildings on college campuses and they all had massive columns in the front and uh, big porches and and modern buildings don't have those i mean you never nobody's ever going to waste a dollar on a column anymore right i mean you can't sit down with a with a funding you know whether it's a state or an architect and and say we want to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on these big huge columns outside and so it'll be interesting to see if if we ever return <laughs> to those kind because i think those are the buildings i love to go look at right they're they're stately they stay they're traditional uh, and when i go to a college campus those are the ones i'm drawn to mm. and uh keeping those on college campuses and and keeping that look i think is really important but you never you know when we build a new one columns are not we never start with what are the columns, are the columns like? go? <laughs> can, can we get columns all the way around the building or are we just limited to the four yeah, in front <laughs> never never has that been the starting point well we're going to talk a little bit more about uh some of these buildings and some of the other things that dr cutzler's involved with but uh, there are a couple of things i wanted to mention First, uh, this is Cybersecurity Month. If you're not familiar, uh, April is Cybersecurity Month all across the University System of Georgia. And not only will will we be talking about cybersecurity, all of our employees will have the opportunity to do um, some training on cybersecurity. And I know that that is a highlight of everybody's month where you get to take cybersecurity training for the second time this year. We get to do it twice a year. It's always a lot of fun. And uh, if you remember the answers to the test, 
uh, from last time, you might be able to shorten your uh, training by a few minutes. Uh, I wanted to, I haven't sent out an email yet, but I'm getting ready to send one out today. We will uh, be hosting a virtual town hall next Thursday on April the 8th. Uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about institutionally, a lot of things coming up. Obviously, uh, budget things are, are moving and academic things are moving. And certainly we're getting close to the end of the semester. So I wanted to have an opportunity uh, to talk with everyone. And virtual town halls have become very popular. Uh, we actually have had excellent uh, attendance at our virtual town halls. And so that will be next Thursday on the 8th. Uh, some good news out of the, our academic programs, our nursing program was selected for the second year in a row as the best RN to BSN program in the state of Georgia. So congratulations to all of our folks over there in the uh, nursing program. Very, uh, just great program, doing a great job. And it's nice to see them getting some uh, recognition, uh, not just in the state, but across uh, the country. So I mentioned the state, uh, the budget situation and the budget uh, time of the year for us here at the university. Yesterday, no, Tuesday was the last day of the legislative session and they passed, uh, as they have to, they passed a budget out of the state legislature. It's very good budget for higher education. It included $57 million of funding for uh, growth. That is on top of the $70 million that was put back into fiscal year 21 budget for growth. So if you pile that all together, uh, next year's budget will have a uh, hundred and what is that? $127 million more uh, to fund our growth than we had uh, coming into this fiscal year. So the legislature was very, very uh, supportive of higher education once again. And uh, good news for all of us who uh, work on the budget, uh, five-year extension of the carry forward uh, le legislation was approved by the legislature, which means at the end of a fiscal year, we're allowed to carry forward money from one year to the next. They cap it at 3% of our tuition but if that were not approved, then our options would be to uh, spend money at the end of the year without regard for uh, exactly what it would be best used for or give it back to the state. Now, I don't have to I don't have to tell you that giving it back to the state would never be on the agenda. But by not being able to carry forward, you know, I think you create a lot of uh, unnecessary or un. Uh, I would certainly not inappropriate, but fun, you know, spending that that maybe could be better spent, and and so we anyway we get to carry it forward, which helps us out a lot. It helps us plan ahead. If we have good years, we're able to carry that forward. So those were good things, and uh, really uh, excited to, that the legislature's finished and that uh, higher education did well. So, all right. Evan, let's talk a little bit more about some of the things you're involved in. I mentioned you're a new father, so uh, not quite a year yet? Not quite a year. Not quite Nine a year. months. Nine months. Okay. How's it going so far? It's great. Yeah? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Good answer. Good answer. All right. So you sleeping better now? I mean, nine months. We were walking. Not, qu- uh, Not quite th- walking. Threatening to walk. Threatening to walk. Th- threatening okay. to stand unassisted. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And, and right now, I mean, it's it's changes every single day. It yeah. seems like she is more confident. She's more willing to take risks. Uh-huh. You know, last last month it was, you know, noteworthy, newsworthy if she was crawling. We were counting. She's oh, yeah. she's she's crawled crawled three feet right, <laughs> and, and now like that's old hat. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's it's. It, I mean, it, of course, it's been things on the coffee table are now in danger. Everything is in danger. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's correct. My, my my house is now is much more terrifying to me uh, all the time. <laughs> uh, and of course, it's been a you know it's been a, a a crazy year. This time last year, we were you know of course the yeah. beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. And um, we were ex- expecting uh, a, a June delivery. We just bought a house that needed renovations, historic mm, houses, mm, you know, mm. those old things that yeah. buy lots of money. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's been, it's been quite a year to make big, big life changes, Absolutely. but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Well, I know, uh, obviously I've been I'm, I'm three boys for me and uh, yeah, that's a great time watching them uh, grow up. Uh, I, I was talking to my brother yesterday and he was mentioning that he had his son uh, who is not quite legal to drive 15, you know, the practice stage and, and his son drove him on the highway and he said, uh, he said it was terrifying. And I, you know, I just remembered that uh, that can be a terrifying thing. And, and, uh, and so you have a lot of inc- amazing experiences ahead of you. Uh, standing up and grabbing things is terrifying. Watching them let go of something and walk a few steps. And pretty soon she'll be driving 75 miles an hour down the highway. And thanks. You'll be, you'll be even more <laughs> terrified. Uh, but I, as I told my brother uh, this past weekend, I had a chance to stop and visit with my dad and my mom down in Florida. And we, I drove them to lunch and he, twice on the trip. Uh, he told me I was going too fast. So um, it never really ends, no matter no matter your age. Uh, all right, but you're also an author, and the book's been out a little over a year now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I'm glad good I did response. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a fair response. I mean, th- last year was a difficult year for, for the full year of, of a book to yeah. come out. Yeah. So last so. February, I was threatening to like shut down. Uh, like saying yes to talks. Yeah. And little did I know how 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 absolute that would be. Uh, but I, I went through a phase where I, I was I was giving a talk about the book, uh, you know, at least once a, a week. Really? And, yeah. That's and, great. And most of them virtual. You know, I, I did a uh, a piece for the South Carolina Public Radio um, that was it was fun. I, I did a couple. Uh, you know, the, kind of the Civil War circuit, uh, Civil War roundtables were starting to schedule me for for talks, and then with the with the you know with the pandemic, uh, all you know, a lot of stuff got got moved to virtual. Um, but you know, honestly, the fun part for me was researching and writing the book. Yeah, I, I, I how many copies I sell is less important than that. And partly, I mean, I don't want I won't go into the the nitty gritty finances of, <laughs> of academic book sales, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it's not the most equitable uh, relationship. You don't, you don't get wildly rich from <laughs> yeah, writing it's academic not gonna, books. It's not going to replace my day job. <laughs> Unfair as that might be, uh, how how do you, how do you uh, or do you c- 
connect your writing and your research with what you teach in the classroom? Is it are, are they like two separate things? Your teaching and your research, or do you are you able to kind of intertwine them along the way? So I've always balanced kind of two academic strands in my work. The what, what, what I used to think of as like as the dissertation book project was enti- almost entirely separate uh, from the from 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 my teaching. Uh, my the public history side of what I do, right? Talking about co- you know controversial history through local places that is very much part of what I teach, whether it's a survey or whether it's an upper level course. Uh, and so, I mean, the, the book itself. No, I I I don't and will never ask my students to buy Living by Inches. Um, the I I did use a previous book, uh, a collection of letters, because it was a primary source set, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be a a, a useful model for, uh, for for historical research that that I was asking the students to do. Um, but in terms of um, you know, I mean, right now I'm working with uh, my History 2500 class on researching the experience of the, uh, the the influenza pandemic in Americas in 1918 and 1919. And of course, you know, we're not drawing the explicit comparison to today, but it's, um, you know, that's research that I think, I think matters, hasn't been done. And I'm, I'm trying to get the students, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm modeling the research process w- with the students in the classroom and asking them to, to do it. O- ultimately, we're gonna try to build a website uh, influenza in Americas and uh, and build a small exhibit in the library. Uh, the exhibit will probably be on uh, patent medicine that is, you know, commercialization of medicine that's basically like, oh, you want to get rid of the flu? You know, drink Dr. Williams Tonic 101. <laughs> uh, and all this stuff is, I mean, it, 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 some of it is literally called snake oil. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. And, uh, and, and so, you know, just like, you know, what, is, what is the experience today? Uh, or what is, it, what is the experience in, in 1918? And, you know, with the implicit kind of question of, of how, how is that experience similar and or different to uh, what, we're, what we're experiencing yeah. in our own time? That's really interesting. I'd, I'd be curious to, to see some of that. And um, I, I would assume that the medicines of today are significantly different than the medicines of the early uh, 1900s. <laughs> sure. I, I, but the, some of the fears, right, aren't. You know, and, and yeah. you know, you can find, I mean, there, there was a, uh, uh, a, 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 a certainly a, a push for sim- similar types of, of oh, well, you got to take vitamin D. Right, vitamin D will keep you safe from uh, from coronavirus today. That you know that that it was that, it's that sort of idea, but much more commercialized in the papers. They're telling you where to buy it downtown, yeah. uh, and it's just yeah. much more much more omnipresent. Hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It just, it'll take care of everything. Um, Bleach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it has been fascinating to go through this. Uh, just an update on the pandemic here. Uh, at Georgia Southwestern, we um, we are very fortunate. We have uh, the vaccines now available on campus. Last week, uh, we we gave uh, another hundred and seventy some shots. I think we're up to uh, nearly three hundred uh, vaccination shots, and we have uh, we received on Monday an additional five hundred doses. So we are um, able to provide shots for folks on campus. If you haven't already uh, started the vaccination process and you would like to, uh, please call the Student Health Center. They have those available and they are coordinating um, times uh, to to give those shots. And and we certainly hope that uh, everybody who is eligible and would like to uh, 
participate can do that. Uh, our numbers this week, I sent out an email on Wednesday. Uh, the number of students is, uh, I think it was four this week. And uh, that was good news because our the previous week, the soccer team had played against Flagler College and Flagler College had four players test positive after, or I guess they, they tested before the game. They didn't find out the results until after the game. And so during the game, four of their players were positive and played against our team. And, and so our team had to isolate and we tested them twice during the week and once uh, again uh, the following week and, and uh, none of th those players tested positive. So I thought that was a good sign. And uh, another good indication that the, that the athletics playing of the games doesn't seem to be uh, the issue. The, the, the larger issue is the, the travel, the being on the bus. The, so the, the student athletes need to be very cautious and careful with their masks and, and protecting themselves. Uh, and, and I think what we're seeing at the national level with, with the bubbles and, and, you know, the playing of the games is not that particular of an issue. It's the, it's the behavior between the games. And so making sure the hotels and things are, uh, are good spaces is really important. But so anyway, our numbers are down. We had zero employees, um, out with either, uh, a positive test or, uh, isolating because of exposure. So, uh, you know, two weeks after spring break to see the numbers uh, remain low and uh, see us have the increase in vaccinations is certainly a positive. If you look around our region, very, very low numbers. Uh, we saw a spike a couple of weeks ago over in Crisp County, uh, but this week they were down uh, less than one uh, on their uh, average daily average uh, infection rate. So generally speaking, our region of the state is in good shape. We're relatively safe and uh, we're seeing uh, a positive outcome there. And as I mentioned in the email, we know that these uh, variants are starting to pop up in the general population. So we can't let our guard down. Uh, we need to maintain uh, our protective uh, behavior. But uh, I, did, I did see, I don't know if how accurate it was, but that the some of the vaccines are doing really well against these variants. So hopefully that will be the case. Uh, so speaking of things to do that I hope are relatively safe, the outdoor recreation program has a couple of activities coming up that you might want to participate in. They're going to do a Pine Mountain hike and a Kennesaw Mountain hike uh, over uh, throughout the course of April. So if you'd like to uh, do that on the weekend, I'm sure that you can go to the Outdoor Recreation Program and sign up. Softball Alumni Weekend is this weekend. They have a reunion tonight and they host uh, University of South Carolina Aiken on Saturday for a doubleheader. So you can uh, get outside and, and watch uh, our ladies play and uh, should be some good games and, and hopefully some uh, alumni will be around to see the action and and i just uh, i need to mention uh it's been a couple weeks since we've been on but the, the last two weeks for our baseball team has seen some pretty incredible uh results uh several two weeks ago i guess uh tucker smith one of our pitchers uh was the national pitcher of the week he threw a no hitter against claffin uh if i remember right he hit the very first batter 
and then got 27 in a row out. So minus the first batter, he was perfect and uh, could not, uh, couldn't, nobody could do better uh, across the country. So he was the national pitcher of the week. And then last week against Augusta University, Jonathan Martin went crazy. Uh, he hit 750 for the weekend. He had four doubles, five home runs, 16 RBIs. He had four home runs in one game. And if I re- if I heard the story right, four consecutive at bats, he hit a home run. Twice in one inning, he hit home runs. And I can't verify this, but I think the story was he came up later in the game and they hit him. So I. I Walking him would have been much nicer, uh, but apparently they decided they needed to hit him. Uh, But anyway, uh, Jonathan Martin had an unbelievable uh, weekend. And one of our uh, uh, one of the other players on the team hit for the cycle and added a home run on top of that. And he wasn't even the best hitter on our team for that weekend. So uh, national hitter of the week, Jonathan Martin. What an incredible uh, weekend for him. And the team is at Georgia College this weekend and so uh, we hope that they continue uh, to hit the ball well i think they scored 35 runs in one game so um reason number one for a run rule in college baseball uh boy that's a long day if you're scoring 35 runs all right um we've got we've got some exciting things happening here at the university beautiful weather beautiful time of the year uh we're coming up towards the end of the semester. I assume we've gotten through midterms. And so everybody's grades are still in excellent shape. Oh, you're looking, oh, you're looking for affirmation of that? that yeah, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, this is, yeah, yeah. The grades are, grades are, grades are what they are. There, uh-huh. There's, there's plenty of time. It's, uh, it's the, it's the, the fifth inning. Bottom of the yeah, so, very good. Okay. Um, I like but, that. No, I mean this this has been a this has been a tough tough year for students. Yeah. I, I think all, the students know that. I think uh, I think the, the the faculty know that. Um, you know, it's 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 been a challenge for everyone. Uh, but but the students, uh, you know, are, are really doing a great job of of, of trying to adapt to the uh, you know what they what they didn't necessarily sign up for. Yeah, yes, that's true, and. We, I, you know, I've tried to say this to a lot of the students, and we, we were talking to some students who have actually withdrawn or, or didn't come back for the next semester because this wasn't what they signed up for. And we've been trying to talk to them about, one, you're right, that wasn't what you signed up for. And if, if you weren't very good at it, that doesn't mean you were not good at college. It means you weren't good at college in that weird kind of virtual way. Uh, so come back and try again. And uh, the other thing is to not let this pandemic delay your life. Sure. Uh, getting a college degree is is part of the process of your life. And if you sit out a, a year or if you sit out and then sit out for three or four years, you delay uh, what's supposed to happen in your life. And so we don't want students to take that route. And uh, I know that faculty... Uh, don't want that to happen and they do everything they can to, to help students be successful uh, i know you guys have been uh, more accessible probably than you've ever been as far as uh, just answering emails and and the virtual uh, classes almost i mean it's like 24 7 
uh, behavior, I would imagine. It is, yeah. Although, you know, it's hard to get students to come to office hours. It was hard to get students to come to office hours before the pandemic. Yeah. And some of that translates into, uh, you know, email shyness as well, uh, which uh, is, you know, something I, we, I think I, and I think I say we uh, try to um, try to make sure students are comfortable communicating with us. I, I, I know I'm looking forward to the fall. I'm looking forward to all face-to-face. Uh, my, my, my classes this, this year have been flipped, so mm-hmm. lectures are online. Uh, but in the classroom, it's it's some sort of hands-on activity or discussion, and uh, and that hasn't been ideal. I mean, the the the, the benefit, the what has been nice for me is that I've learned to go into the classroom with no notes, <laughs> right? And that's not that was not in my comfort zone yeah. this time last year, uh, but. Being able to have a much more free-flowing discussion uh, has has been. Um, I, I've had growth as a teacher over the last year, um, and and but I like. But that said, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I'm not going back to what it was like a year ago, but uh, I'm looking forward to having everyone in class every day. Yeah, um, and and I think the students are too. Absolutely. There's 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 not just academic value in that. There's social value in that. And the, and the relationships that you build on a college campus are important. They're helpful uh, throughout your life. And what we've learned is that students want the experience as much as they want the education. And so uh, our job is to deliver both in a great environment. So Dr. Cutler, we appreciate you spending some time with us today and a great conversation about uh, not just the historical buildings, but a lot of the other things going on here at the university. And we wish you the best uh, with your book and with your daughter and uh, whatever else you got, you mentioned you're growing a garden, so I hope it didn't freeze uh, last night. But I appreciate everybody uh, listening in, and we'll be back, uh, hopefully, I certainly expect to be back next week, and we'll try not to have uh, big delays uh, along the way. But Bob, we appreciate you getting us back on the air, and I hope everybody has a great weekend.